Morning. Hey, if you're new, I also want to welcome you. So glad that you're here. I'm Charlie Lawson. I'm the lead pastor here at the Grove, and so glad that you have visited with us today. You have caught us in the third week of kind of a three-week series. We've been just kind of talking about who we are as a church and kind of kind of breaking down kind of our mission statement, who it is that God has called us to be as a church. You may not have noticed, but it's our mission statement is right there on the wall as you walk in. It says what God has called us to be as a church is to reach people and become fully devoted, world-changing followers of Christ. And there's a couple of key passages that comes from. We started with what's called the Great Commandments, where somebody asked Jesus, what's the greatest command in, in all the Bible? He says, well, love God with your heart, your soul, your mind, your strength, everything that you have. That's the first and the greatest commandment. He says, the second's like it, love your neighbor as yourself. So two weeks ago, we talked about that first one, about what does it really mean for us to love God with everything. And then last week, we spent some time talking about... Um, uh, loving other people the way that you love yourself. And so now we'll be looking at that second passage, the Great Commission. It's in Matthew 28. And um, I was thinking about this. If you've, if you've been here for a while, you may have heard some of the stories. If you've been to Connections, which is kind of our, our, kind of our intro to the Grove class, you've definitely heard at least parts of the story. Because there's this moment, this passage right here in Matthew 28. I had, I had heard it many times before. And, and being from the church that I went to and, and as involved as we were, um, I had had this passage memorized. But there was this moment for me in college where this, where this, um, this, this passage kind of hit me, hit me in, a, in a completely different way. And, and the story goes, I was a freshman. I was a freshman in, um, at, at Hendricks College in Conway, Arkansas in the, in the fall of 1990. And, um, and I grew up in this very traditional church. And this traditional church, I mean, I, I, you know, some people like to go, oh, yeah, we were at church all the time. And then at this point, I feel like I need to get into a fight with you because you were not, I was in church. all. You, you did not, you were not in church as much as we were. I mean, it was 15 to 20 hours a week, every week for, for 18 years. I, as a teenager, I, it's, it's going to sound like a joke, but as a teenager, I had a key. I had a key to the building because, I mean, there were just times I needed, I was the first one there. I would help clean up. I mean, there was just all these things. And I had to lock it down. I mean, it was... It was, we were there all the time. And I would have told you that I liked church. I think, I think ultimately I think I liked the routine of it, but I didn't realize that I didn't like church until I, I moved to another town and went to a very similar church. And, and, then, and in this other church, it was like, it's like it just kind of dawned on me. It was like, wait a second, this is boring. I don't, I don't care what this guy's saying. The music is not very good, and these people are all mean. And I was like, I hate this. I set an alarm. I set an alarm to do this. And I'm a college student. I'm like, why am I setting an alarm for this? It was, that was not good. And at the same time, let's just say, this is kind of the way I like to phrase it. I don't want to say too much. I don't want to say too little. Let's just say that as fall of my freshman year, I was making freshman decisions, right? Just the kinds of things that freshmen would do when you're away from home for the first time. And um, I was just about all done with it. I decided I would give this other church a shot. It was this brand new church that had just started, and um, and 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 I, I meet this guy. They obviously you know I'm a college student. I meet this guy who is a college minister, not with the church, but with this other organization. And I don't know if, how many of you have ever had an encounter with a youth pastor, college pastor, whatever. It can be really uncomfortable. This is like they're like more energy than you can handle, right? Hey, so so what's your name? Where are you from? Where do you go? What, what do you study? What are you like? I just want to get out of here, please. And he's he's doing all this, talking all this up. And he's like, so 
really all he's trying to do is get all my information, right? Like any good uh, uh, telemarketer would do, right? He's just trying to get all my information. So he finds out, he finds out, you know, you know I give him my number and, and my room, and he asks me this question, would you like to be in a Bible study? I'm leading a Bible study freshman in your dorm next semester. You know, in, in your heart, you're thinking, no. But I don't know how you grew up. I mean, the answer, there's really only one answer to that question, right? Would you like to be in a Bible study? I would love to be in a Bible study. So I'll, I'll contact you uh, next semester. We're going to get it started. Sure, whatever. So I don't think much any more about him until he calls me. And he calls me on a Sunday afternoon. He calls me on a Sunday afternoon in late January. He calls me on a very particular Sunday, late Sunday afternoon in January. He calls me during the Super Bowl. And, so, and I'm like, I'm like, who is this guy? And he's like, hey, I wanted you to know, I'm downstairs in the lobby. Let's meet and talk about the Bible study. I'm like, I'm thinking to myself, no, let, let's me watch the Super Bowl and you don't ever call me again. What is wrong with you? Like, I mean, there, there's so many strikes against this conversation. First, I don't, I don't, I don't know you. It's weird. It's weird to not really set up an appointment. I mean, you're just like, you're calling somebody from the lobby during the Super Bowl. I mean, it was, it was just, it was, uh, again, I don't know if it's the overwhelming guilt or whatever. I was like, okay. So there's all these strikes against this conversation. It shouldn't go well. In my heart, I'm thinking, I don't want anything to do with, with him or this at all. How quickly can I get through this so I can get back to, you know, the Super Bowl? And, and he pulls out this passage in Matthew chapter 28. I knew this passage. I knew it was called the Great Commission. Again, through varying Sunday school programs and things, I had memorized this passage word for word many times. But there was something about this moment in this really awkward, closety, dungeon-ish room off the lobby, me and this older dude that I didn't know, talking at a time I didn't want to talk about something I didn't want to talk about, where God showed up, and really for the first time in my life, something just kind of clicked that my perspective about what it meant to be a Christian had, had, had just always been wrong. I would have said, I don't know if I would have said it this way, but I certainly believe that it seemed to me that being a Christian was about church attendance and relative obedience to a few very important Bible commands, you know, the big ones. And I, w- I was doing that. I, mean, I wasn't enjoying... Um, going to church, and my relative obedience to these, you know, Bible commands, it was, it was fluctuating, but I was, I, mean, I was still better than most. And he painted a picture for what my life should be about, and, and it hit me, and, and I would just say that, that, that is one of the, it is one of those life-defining moments. It's one of those things where, again, I mean, it has been, it has been 26 years 28 years. I thought I was a math major. It's been 28 years. Maybe I don't know what year it is. Maybe I'm old. See, it's like, I can't even remember what year it is, but I can remember exactly where I was in that moment 28 years ago, right? And um, my life has just been radically different. So for some of you, we're going to look at this passage in Matthew 28. Maybe this is. It's going to be the first time that you've ever heard this passage, which is fine. For some of you, I mean, if you certainly if you've been to Connections, you've You've heard me talk about this passage at least briefly. Some of you have probably heard this passage many times. 
different sermons about it or whatever. My hope and prayer is that in, in some way that either it's for the first time or the tenth time, that, that God will captivate you a little bit differently about it. Because I think that what he's wanting to do for us is to reshape what it is we think it means to be a Christian. What is the purpose? What is my life supposed to be like? Because I think that a lot of us are like Charlie circa fall of 1990. I'm just coming to church and trying to be a relatively good person. That's that's the deal, right? But God wants something deeper and greater for us. And he has given us a real mission. And we, collectively as a church and us as individuals, we need to get on board with it. So in Matthew chapter 28, verse 16, let's kind of set the scene here for a little bit. Jesus has been, he's had these followers for about three years now. He has already died on the cross. He he died on the cross and and he he has come back to life. And for the next few weeks, he's been spending some final time with his followers. And he's gathering together really for one last time. Because their their life's about to to be very different. We talk about being a follower of Jesus and that means something to us. What it meant to them was something very different. If you had asked them in this moment, hey, what does it mean to follow Jesus? They would say, well, okay, Jesus is here, and I'm here, and then when Jesus goes over there, I follow him over there. Like as literal as it can be, they were following Jesus. Now they're not going to be there. He's not going to be there anymore. What does it mean to continue to follow Jesus without the physical presence of Jesus there? And so he's leaving them. He's like, I'm leaving, and here's what you need to be about while I'm gone. Matthew 28, starting in verse 16. Then the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. Can we just stop right here? It's not really what we're talking about. What an interesting thing. I think some of us, we feel sometimes kind of riddled with a little bit of doubt. Like, is all this really real? Is God really real? Is, is, is all this stuff, I mean, there seems, and, and we just think that if I could just see Jesus, maybe, right? And then he could just, I could see him in the eye, he could talk to me, then, then I would never have any doubt. Well, they had plenty of doubt. And, 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 and they knew him. They're out there with him. They'd just seen him come back to life. He was dead, now not dead. And they saw all that, and there's still, like, there's just this uncertainty. And I think there is just something in us that's just like, is this really what I'm supposed to be about? Is this really real? And it's in us. And, and I don't want us to don't feel shame about that. But at the same time, Jesus is coming to them in that moment and telling them, hey, I get where you're coming from, and here's what you need to know. Verse 18. Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely, I am with you always, to the very end of the age. So they're sitting there, and they're worshiping him. They're a little bit scared, a little uncertain about what's going on here. Say, listen, here's what you need to know. I'm the Son of God. I have authority in heaven. I have authority here. I have all the authority. I'm in charge. I'm in charge of this world. I'm in charge of your life. Now, therefore, you better listen to this. Now, you need to go. 
You get out of here, you get out of this place, and I want you to go everywhere possible. I want you to go to every nation. I want you to go all over the world, and here's what I want you to do as you're going all over the world. I want, you to, I want you to make disciples. I want you to help people know who I am. I want you to baptize them. I want you to teach them. And here's what you need to know. Even though I'm leaving you physically, you need to know that I'm going to be with you forever. Now, now go. Go. And what's interesting is the book of Acts, which is after the four gospels. We have the four different tellings of the story of Jesus, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, the fifth book in the New Testament, the book of Acts. Essentially, it's kind of a history book, and it really records the faithfulness of these, of these people to this mission that God had given them. You see them start where they are and then just kind of broadening their influence all over the world, going and telling people about Jesus. And it's an incredible thing that moves this movement from just a few dozen people ultimately to tens of thousands of people in a really short period of time. Overwhelming faithfulness to this mission that God had given them. And in the 2,000 years since then, we, generation after generation after generation of people have been faithful to this command. You know, the apostles, you know, they tell, teach people what Jesus taught you. Okay, I'm going to teach them. And then when I teach them, I'm going to tell them, hey, and what Jesus says is that once you understand all this, now you need to go tell somebody else. And for, and for thousands of years, generation after generation of people have been faithful to this command to continue to teach people about who Jesus is. And here we are. Almost 2,000 years later, thousands of miles away from this happened. Almost nothing culturally connected to these people at all in this time frame. And here we are standing on the shoulders of generations of faithfulness. And now, and now it's our turn. We stand here on the faithfulness of others, and it is now us time. It is our turn to continue to build this and let the world know who Jesus is. And again, the very simple, the simple mission that God has called us to, we'll just say this, this is who we're supposed to be, what we're supposed to be about. We need to make disciples. This is what Jesus says. All authority has been given to me. Now go make disciples. Now here's the thing that I don't want to do. I, I, I don't want to get into a place where we get kind of lost in kind of churchy words. Disciple can feel a little bit like a churchy word. Like I don't, I don't, I don't know what that means. So, so maybe a better word would be like maybe student, students, learners. But, but again, I think when we when we hear student, um, maybe it gets a little too academic. Uh, maybe I mean, like a like a like a protege, like a, like like someone that you're mentoring, an apprentice. You know, you guys have been my apprentices. And I've taught you about what it means to live life. I've taught you things that you need to know, how to do certain things, the kind of character that you need to have, a, a, a vision and perspective on the world that you need to have. You have all of this. Now take everything that I have given you and give that to somebody else. I've taught you, you teach others. So it's not just an academic student. But just this overall learner of how do I live? Who am I supposed to be? That's what Jesus did for them for, for three years. Now I want you to take all of this and give it to somebody else because they need it. And first, you're, you're going to start with baptizing. So you, first of all, you're going to have to go to people who don't even know who God is. You're going to have to tell them who God is. You're going to have to tell, me, tell them who I am as His Son and the death that I died 
for them so that they can have life. And then their first response to that will need to be baptism. And then you'll baptize them, and then you're going to teach them all these things. We're not just trying to get them to know who God is, but we want them to be solid and grounded in their faith so then they can do the same thing. Because this is what God has called His people to do. If you are a church, if you are a follower of Jesus, this is what He has called us to do. To take everything that He has given to us, to grow, to grow deeper and more solid in our own faith, and to take what God has given us and give it away. This is our mission. We say it a little bit differently on, on, our, um, on, on our mission statement, but it's all there. Reaching people, people who don't know God, to do what? To become fully devoted, to become disciples themselves, and then ultimately fully devoted world changers who recognize that I need to take what God has given me and change the world with it. So if you're paying attention, and you know, it's always kind of a, you never know, assuming you are, there's a couple questions that I think that need to come from this. Would I describe myself as a disciple? Am I someone who is committed enough to say, hey, I'm a disciple, or at least I'm committed to becoming one? And then am I willing to take what God has given me and give it to someone else? This is the challenge. And this is the challenge for us as a church and who it is that we're trying to be. And there's this thing that we do. We have our Church 101 again, which is our connections, kind of our intro to the Grove class. I like to do it at the beginning. And I was like, man, I want to know kind of what it is, how it is you found out about us, and then what is it you liked about it made you decide you wanted to, to stick around. And we get a lot, you start to, you do this enough, you start to hear a lot of some of the same answers. And one I've been hearing a lot lately is that, man, this just feels like a really safe place. That no matter what my background is, no matter, no matter what I'm struggling with, no matter kind of how I'm doing personally, what baggage or sin I'm bringing with, bringing with me, that this is a place where I can feel loved and connected and, and just and, and be okay and, and hear from God. And that's awesome. That is totally what we're trying to do. What I want you to hear, that that's just, a, that's just a piece of the puzzle. Other people will say, man, we love how the, the messages are, are, seem really relevant, that we kind of talk about kind of how these biblical principles apply to like my real life. Like, yeah, man, we're doing that on purpose too. That's great. I'm glad you're experiencing that. And that's a piece of the puzzle. People talk about, man, it's just a great place for my kids. It's a great place for my teenager. And it just seems like you really love and value kids. And, and it's like, yes, we do. And that's a piece of the puzzle. All of these things are pieces of the puzzle of, of what it is that God's trying to do. But when you're trying to put a puzzle together, what do you got to do? What's the picture on the box? I mean, sometimes I think that in our own life, as we're thinking about church, thinking about our own life, we, we start thinking about, I mean, this is my favorite puzzle piece. This is what I like. This is why I like the church. This is what I think the church should be doing. And we have two of these things. But we lose sight of the picture on, on the box of what it is specifically that God has called us to do. And what God has specifically called us to do, the picture on the box, is to go to people who don't know Jesus at all, help them know Jesus, and help the people who do know Jesus grow deeply in their faith so then we can go all over everywhere and tell more people and ground them in their faith and get them excited so that they can go everywhere and we can just keep doing this. That's the picture. That's why we do all the things that we do. This is the thing that we're trying to do, that no matter what it is that we're doing, we're trying to help people become followers of Jesus 
grow as followers of Jesus and launch them out to do the same thing for others. This is who we are. And we need each one of us to make that same sort of commitment. So this is not just some, hey, you know, this is some new idea for you guys to think about. Really what Jesus is saying here is this is what your life is supposed to be. This is what your life is supposed to be. This is not just something to kind of add. My life's mine. I get to do what I want and I'm going over here. This is Jesus saying, no, actually not this. This is what your life is supposed to be. Your life is supposed to be about making disciples. Now, when somebody comes in with something that heavy, it's like, hey, you're doing life wrong. This is what life is. Stop doing this. Start doing this. Stop thinking like this. Start doing like this. And it's some kind of big, weighty thing. There's kind of, I mean, it can be multiple, but let's just say there's, there's two primary reactions that people can have to this, right? Two primary ones, right? First one is, uh, uh, um, you're not the boss of me. Right? I don't want to. I don't, I don't, I don't want to. I don't, I don't want to do that. I, 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 I don't want to. You, you don't get to tell me. And, and, and the second one w- would be, um, that, that, that sounds, it sounds kind of scary. I should be kind of nervous to do that. Or the, or the way that Layla, our, our six-year-old, says, if you ask her to do something that she, that she gets kind of nervous about, she's like, that makes me shy. And she makes this face. So this is now this is what we all say. Anytime you, you'd ask to do something, you're kind of a little bit nervous. Like, oh, that kind of makes me shy. Like, you know, go visit somebody you don't want to go visit or go do something you don't want to. I'm kind of shy about that. So anyways, so maybe maybe you don't want to do it. Maybe you just don't want to. I, I'm, I'm not. I don't want to. Or maybe it makes you shy. But the interesting thing, the interesting thing about this is it seems that Jesus anticipated both of those concerns. And he sandwiches this command right in between his addressing of both of those concerns. So you may think that you can say, well, I, I don't want to do it. But he makes it very clear that this is not optional. He makes it very clear. How does he do that? Well, at the very beginning, he says, okay, um, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go. So I'm in charge of everything here that you do see. I mean, I'm in charge of everything up there that you don't see. Essentially, I'm in charge of everything. So whatever it is I'm about to say next is not optional for you. Therefore, go. Go do this. There really isn't any, there's, 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 no, there's no points of discussion there. There's no rebuttals. There's the one who has all of the authority, the designer and creator of the universe with all the authority everywhere all the time has said this is what you're supposed to do. Now go do it. Now, if you're like me, and, 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 and some of you probably are, I don't really like appeals to authority. You telling me I have to do something. You start telling me I have to do something, I don't get shy. I get the opposite of shy, right? I'm ready to fight. Like, like it's to the point to where, like, I could be going already to do something. Like, I'm sitting there in the living room thinking, ah, I, I, we need, I, need, I need to fold the laundry or do the dishes or whatever. And I get up to do it, and then, and then Heidi says, hey, can, can you do the dishes? And I'm like, no. I can't. I'm heading to the kitchen. Can you do the dishes? Actually, I know I can't. I was going to do it, then you told me I had to. Now I'm, now I'm out. I used to do this dumb little thing, too. It's like somebody asked you to do something. Well, I'm not going to do it because you told me to. I'm going to do it because I want to. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to wait. One, two, three. Hey, I think I want to go do the dishes. Now I go do it because you can't tell me what to do. 
which that makes me terrible, and you're much nicer than me. You're not. Um, appeals to authority, it triggers something in us. And so that's why typically here, like on a Sunday, and I'm trying to motivate, hey, hey, I talk about, hey, this is not things, you, and so there are commands, you have to do them, but you need to think of it not as things you have to do, but things that you get to do. Because this is the God of the universe, and he loves you, and if he says that you're supposed to do it, it's going to be for your good, and it's for your best, and we try to come at it all these different directions, because just straight up, you have to do this, triggers something in us. We're going to not do that today. Today, we're just going to sit with the one who has all the authority in the universe says this is what your life is supposed to be about. I mean, of course, all those other things are true. But there has to be some point in it where we have to realize that, that that's irrelevant. If, if this is what God tells me that I have to do, then this is what I have to do. My life is supposed to be about becoming a fully devoted disciple, follower of Jesus, and then taking what God has given me and give it to somebody else. This is my life, defined by the one who created life, who created the universe, who created me, and has all the authority in the world. This is what my life is, 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 is about. But some of us think, man, no, man, no, no. See, see, this not, it's not... You're, you're, you're messing up. It's not just, this is, this is for you, right? This is like for, for preachers and missionaries and stuff, right? So you, when you had this moment where, where, got, where you kind of got this passage, you then became a preacher. So this is, this is preacher. This is preach, that's a command for preachers, pastors, super Christians. I'm sorry, he said this to like fishermen and tax collectors and unemployed people. Just, just dudes. Just as regular as regular gets. And then, and then they passed it on to, to people in the army and uh, the, 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 the assistants to, to, to queens and kings and to just normal, just normal people. And honestly, it is very limited. If, 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 if we're going to limit this mission to professionals, we're going to be very limited. But God has called this to be us. It's not graduate-level Christianity. This is a command that God has given to all of us. And it's not optional. And so that's what he says. All authorities in heaven on earth have been given to me. Therefore, go. He tells them, go make disciples. Teach them. Do all these things. And then he ends it with this by saying, And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. So Jesus is telling him to go on this really bold and big and incredible mission. And he's telling him to do this big, bold, crazy thing at the very moment that for the first time since, since God radically transformed their life, that Jesus wasn't going to be there anymore. Like They could probably have put their mind around, and now here's what we are going to go do. We are going to go and make disciples. You follow me, and this is what we're going to do. Well, I can do this with him, but without him, that sounds scary. And so what he says is that you'll never be alone. You'll never be alone. Even though I am not physically here with you, I will always 
be with you. Always. To the very end of the age. No matter how bad things seem, no matter how bad and what's going on in the world, I will be with you every moment forever. And the thing that I like about his addition of the phrase to the end of the age, it really makes us kind of know for sure that this promise that he's giving wasn't just to the immediate audience. It's still not the end of the age. And so we can trust that the presence of God is still with us. And so he makes sure that they know, even though you may be, you, you may be nervous, even though you may be uncertain, you will need to know that even though I'm not there, I, I'll be with you. So one of the things, one of the things I, I like to make a big deal about, it's just, it's just fun and I really like it and it gets appropriate laughs from time to time, so I keep bringing it up, is how I always kind of, I've been dragging my kids onto roller coasters since they were real little, right? We kind of have this deal where it's like, as soon as you hit the little line there on the deal, you're, you're, you got to ride it. 36 inches, 40 inches, 42. It's different rides, different heights. And when you hit those things, you come, you're, we're riding the roller coaster. But here's the thing that I don't do. You know, I can hit 36 inches and you're going to go ride the kid roller coaster and go, hey, it's that way. Go. I, I don't do that. I don't send the four-year-old onto a roller coaster by themselves. Did you say four? <laughs> no. Four-year-old, five-year-old, six-year-old. I take. I say, you got to go. I don't. I don't just send them. I go with them. I go with them. Me, me, me and you together. I'm, we're going to sit here and we're going to do this thing together. I know it seems scary. I know that looks big. I know you don't know what's coming. But me and you sit next together. We're going to do this. But that's me physically present, which is really cool. And I love doing this with them. And it does. It gives them some assurance. And it gives them. Dad to kind of snuggle with and hold on to if they get a little bit nervous. But what Jesus is talking about, I'm not going to be physically here anymore, but I'm still going to be there with you. And so maybe a better illustration is not, is not riding a roller coaster with Dad, but it's that moment when, when, when you send a kid to kindergarten for the first time. Or, or, or you send them, next level, you, you send them to college for the first time. Hey, I know that your life has been, for the most part, there's always like a parent nearby. And now you're going to go do this thing, and it seems a little bit scary, but here's the thing that you need to know, that we will always be with you. Always. Whatever you need, whenever you need it, we'll be there. Even though we're not there, we'll always be there. No matter what this world throws at you, you need to know that we are we are with you. And so we've had this thing with our kids, man. We never want our kids, we don't want our kids to be scared of life. We don't want them to think that we have to physically be there. So we send them out all the time to go do things and be by themselves and, and to go out and do adventurous things where they're without us. But here's the thing that they know. The reason why they can do that is because they know that their parents are with them. That no matter what this world throws at them, no matter how scary something might be, no matter how distant there may be between us and them, we're with them. And this thing, if you're paying attention, this is a big thing that God is asking. He's asking you to give up 
the normal direction of what you think your life is supposed to be about and do something completely different. And then take the risk of kind of reaching out to people who are far from God or people who need a little bit of help and say, I'm going I'm to try to help you. And that seems scary. But God is with you. He will always be with you. The one who has all of the authority, all the power, says that his presence will always be with you. And if that's the case, then there's nothing to be afraid of. No reasons to be shy. Because God said that he would be with you. So now we end up back. We end up back with those same two questions. The first question is this. Are you committed in your own life to say, I want to become a disciple? This is what I want my life to be. I want to learn and grow and become a person who is really a fully devoted follower of Jesus. And if you're able to say yes to that, then I ask you this. Are you willing to help others do the same? What God is asking of us here is not some simple shift, being a little bit nicer at work, talk differently to your spouse, study harder at school, don't lie, don't steal. We're not talking about tweaking here. We're actually talking about a complete, a complete redirection of what the priorities of your life is supposed to be. That my life is supposed to be about being and helping others become real, committed disciples, fully devoted followers of Jesus. So as we have just kind of our typical response time, I just encourage you, man, ask God those two questions. Make those prayer questions. God, am I really, is this, is this really what you want from me? And, 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 and confess to God what your hesitations are. The things that you feel, like the, the fears or, or the control that you have that is making you want to kind of hold on to what you want your life to be about. Put those up out there to Him. We've got opportunities to kind of pray and connect with God all the time. I mean, we've got, we got worship. As always, the, the prayer team is back there. And if you've got any kind of burden, I'm telling you, um, I, I get to pray with them every week. And it is, it is an incredible freedom and, and lifting of burdens that comes from having awesome people pray over you. So you come here with any burden, please go back there and let them pray for you. There's also opportunities. There's, there's communion. You don't have to be a member here just to follow Christ. Take communion. There's prayer candles. There's a cross to pray. There's worship. There's, there's giving. There's lots of ways for us to respond. But here's the question that we're going to have to wrestle with. Am I going to continue to be a Christian that focuses on a couple of pieces of the puzzle that are valuable to me? I, I like that kind of worship. I like the way that worship makes me feel. I like practical teaching. I like that, that it's good for kids. Or am I going to be someone who's committed to the picture on the box? That what God has called me to is a lifetime of being, becoming, being, and making disciples. Let's pray. God, I thank you for the new people here. God, who just get an opportunity to um, kind of hear the core and the heart of who it is that we're trying to be as a church. 
And God, I'm just mindful of the people here who maybe just still, even on the outside of faith, not even sure if they want to follow at all. People who are all still very new, who are healing from, from past hurts. But God, I pray that no matter how far we may be from you, or how broken we may have been when we came here, that God, that we would not be intimidated, but God, that we would be inspired. Inspired by a God who will never leave us. Inspired by a God who has all authority and, and who has a big picture plan for our life. The God, that we would not feel alone, that we would not feel directionless, we would not feel purposeless, but God, that we would know that we are connected to you and you have a place and a life set out for us. And God, I pray for those of us who have been around a while, I pray for those of us who have been following you for a while, God, I pray that you would renew and shift what our commitment looks like. And that we would not be going through the motions, that we, God, we would not just be focusing on a few pieces of the puzzle that we feel good about. But God, that we would live lives of full devotion to you and then be used by you to do the same for others. And we thank you for your son, his death on the cross that makes all this life possible, and it's in his name that we pray. Amen.